0: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, This is our Southridge member podcast designed to give our people some of the inside scoop on the life of our church. And uh, normally we're about a month in advance uh, having these recorded uh, just to kind of keep on top of things. But with what's been going on in the world as of late, uh, we kind of paused our current podcast recordings and thought it would be helpful to talk about a few very real-time things in... uh, Response to the crisis of COVID 19. And so, uh, in the spirit of interruption, this is going to be the first of at least a few podcasts that will dig into how as a church, uh, we're trying to respond to the crisis around here. And so we've got a bit of a modified format if it sounds differently. uh, Obviously uh, I'm set up with some tech from home and the people that I interview are also from home. And so uh, we're gonna hope that this works out and uh, just appreciate a little extra grace extended to us in this season. So uh, today I've got uh, Jeff Martins, our connection pastor. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Hey everyone. Uh, we're, uh, we're having this conversation remotely. And, uh, so I'm just interested first, first off in what working from home looks like for you. All uh, right, uh, I would say the odds of me
1: showering on any given day are definitely way more up in the air than they are under normal circumstances. So, uh, that, that's one of the, that's one of the shifts, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, a weird thing. Um, Obviously, different people's work uh, either allow or don't them to work from home in different capacities. We're fortunate and grateful to be able to try to keep rolling on a lot of things remotely here. And I'd say it comes with certain elements of, of convenience that the, the office is kind of always accessible and available, but also with, with different kind of challenge. Not just that we prefer to do so much of what we do in person. That's obviously the limitation everybody's experiencing. Uh, but I'm, I'm certainly trying to balance in these early days of, of experimenting with this the constant pull um, to just the presence of the ability to kind of keep the work flowing, maybe more than ever, just because I've sort of got everything constantly set up, ready to roll uh, here at home. And, uh, and with the kids just around and observing that, trying to balance what, what that's all like. And again, people in different stages of life are, are having to navigate all different challenges differently. But uh, between just the distraction, that having the work always available creates and potentially the dismissiveness I sometimes have with the kids. I'm trying to balance that of how they're gonna, on the other side, remember what the, the dad mostly working from home era was like. So uh, those are some of the things I'm juggling.
0: Yeah, it definitely blurs the lines between your work life and your home life. And uh, when you have kids at your kid's stage, which is about 10 years younger than mine, uh, it, it, it's a little harder to explain to them. No, these are the moments where work is happening versus these are the moments where I'm just goofing off on my computer. I'm in the same workspace, but I'm doing recreational things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hey, (sighs) it, it seems like forever ago when I'm thinking in our context, our, our family on Wednesday, March 11th, we left for Guatemala and everything, I, I know there was some talk of all of this, but everything still felt relatively normal. And, you know, it was just that evening, I remember that the NBA uh, decided to postpone its season. And it was like, that was kind of the beginning of the end. And and uh, that same day, Tom Hanks and his wife, uh, it was publicly announced that they tested positive and it was like, whoa, all of a sudden, this is, this is just blowing up. Um, from your perspective, when did you get a sense? that our world was about to rapidly and drastically change.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I tried to to give that a a few moments of pause to actually reflect on. Um, I'm sure for many of us, the the last few weeks have been just so blurry. It it was a little bit tricky for me to, to try to pause and remember. But as ridiculous as it is, just I guess now this is just over a month ago, on February 25th, Lindsay and I have been trying to plan a, a getaway in this season with just the two of us and and on february 25th we had booked a cruise for the end of april which is just an unfathomable thing now even you know that's obviously reaching a little further back um but can't imagine how much has changed and that even thinking about that is kind of a swear word right now but uh reflecting on that particular week the week before march break for students uh in, in our world um it kind of felt like we went through an entire seasonal change. Like imagine a change of the actual sort of weather systems and seasons. I was thinking about it kind of like a change in one week where we went from like summer to fall or maybe even to winter over the course of about five days where on one day you thought you could go out with shorts and flip flops, and the next day you needed socks and shoes, then you needed pants, then the next afternoon you needed to put gloves on and like it was changing so fast, and I remember that week, like you say, that I think it was that Wednesday when you guys had left, and you're starting to get the sense of, oh, okay, this is, this is affecting North America to some extent, some of these big cancellations, and then it was by Friday when we were rejigging the sales for what we were going to do on the weekend as a church, realizing you couldn't gather with, with more than 250 people, and I'd say that, and it just progressed you know, day by day for another seven to ten days. But that's when you started to feel like, wow, we are actually entering. We're now in a new climate than we were seven days earlier. We're in a new season. We're in a new – we have to sort of prepare and respond to everything differently than we did just a few days ago. Yeah, I remember
0: our our first instinct was to encourage people just with the, hey, if you're not comfortable gathering in a large group right now, then stay home. We understand that. But it was going to be business as usual for us. It was just more of a suggestion. And then all of a sudden, like you said – uh, we heard the edict that uh, groups of 250 or more couldn't gather. And so at that point, that kind of forced our hand. And that was you know, kind of the beginning of the, the unraveling of, of everything of a sorts. Um, at a personal level, Jeff, how did you feel through that in those uh, original days where it felt like we were going from one season drastically to another?
1: Yeah, I mean, frankly, I, I'd say I probably felt pretty lost pretty quickly, um, and, and that persisted for a while, if not is still again for all of us something we're, we're trying to deal with. It was hard to kind of know um, up from down and information was was changing so fast. And for me personally, I think one of the hardest things and this is true both at a work level and and in my personal just personal life and activities and whatnot that I, I benefit from having sort of a fairly ordered to-do list of like, okay, here's what the afternoon is looking like, here's what the day is looking like, here's stuff I got to do around the house. And everything was changing so fast, and information was changing so fast that the priorities of the to-do list had to constantly change. That I felt like the only thing I was doing was changing my day's to-do list, and personally, work-wise, everything constantly. That that was that was pretty disorienting for me.
0: Half of your to-do list was revising your to-do list <laughs> Const- constantly <laughs> the entire time, and uh, that doesn't geez. and that doesn't feel like you can cross that off no, ever, which is a no. terrible feeling. Brand new uncrossed to-do list. Hey, from a purely faith perspective, what what did you remember or feel uh, was a default response for you?
1: I think for me, and again, this stuff is is still fairly true, but certainly in the earliest days of this, it was trying to fight for moments of pause and quiet and spiritual grounding and routine. And I'm I'm a routine oriented person and. Just, just my space to be deliberate about being attentive to God and, and where my heart is at in and, and trying to listen to him and pray and that kind of stuff, it, it, it has survived well off, off fairly regular routine. And when that is upheaved, um, it's easy for that to just all, again, get lost in the shuffle for me. So fighting for that more than usual
0: uh, was necessary and is necessary, I'd say, still through this. And as a church leader, from the perspective of being part of Southridge, uh, what were some of, can you remember back some of your preliminary thoughts? Whoa, this means this, or we've got to do what? Mm.
1: I remember feeling uh, very strongly, I guess then it would have been that second week after, this is for me oriented in the kids school schedule, the official March break week. Just this simultaneous feeling of anticipation and opportunity that, okay, the church can step up and revise a whole bunch of things, be strong, you know, bring hope. There's all kinds of stuff we need to be doing. So anticipation and opportunity, but combined with still so much paralysis of changing information, changing expectations, changing limitations of what you can do at like 250, groups of 250, groups of 50, groups of 10, like... I I was just kind of constantly frozen in as a church leader, both there's tons we got to do and it's hard to know what to do or hard to do anything. So fighting through that in the first week was for me as we collaborated as a leadership, one of the greatest challenges.
0: Yeah. And I remember in those early days, we certainly leveraged technology a a lot, certainly as much as we could have to have some quick preliminary meetings and some huddles as a leadership. And, and uh, do you remember back and can you share any sort of early values that emerged when it came to how we wanted to see Southridge move forward in this time of crisis?
1: Yeah, the first thing was, I remember us having a conversation Well, the first time, I mean, we were on text threads incessantly as a leadership, and then the first time we were able to, wherever one was, get on a, an actual video chat and start learning how to, how to use these well. Um, just our commitment to collaboration was, was kind of number one. And we talk a lot about being fanatically collaborative. That's sort of a core value for us as in, in our work uh, together and our, our, how we want to behave as a team. And sort of ratcheting that up in a time like this was was massive. And then both, we sometimes would describe our leadership sort of horizontally, us all leading the, the church together as a leadership team, but also then vertically would be the other sort of the direction. We think within our departments, within our ministries, within our programs, we were seeking to be as responsive And sort of on it on this whole crisis together as much as possible to kind of be innovative and reinvent how are we going to be the church and 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 do ministry in this so collaborate well as leaders and then work really hard to be on it as teams um to react to all of this so
0: yeah in our ministry we we often internally we refer to we refer to our ministry model as a simple church model Mm -hmm. uh explain for all of our members listening what that means and why that matters at a time like this. I think it it matters a lot. And, and
1: maybe even I would say helps us as a church to have the, to have had this paradigm, because for me, a simple church paradigm is all about a lifestyle based approach to faith, to following Jesus and to being the church uh, that we for a long time, haven't really ever wanted to just busy up everybody's calendars with programs and events and lots of things you got to be at, especially at the church buildings kind of constantly throughout the week. But want to be the kind of church where we do a few things well together that help, We say so often, foster this lifestyle of full devotion to Jesus so that in between all those touch points of Sunday services, life groups, and our anchor cause involvements and, and outreach, That in between all of that, we are just living lives of full devotion to Jesus, trying to be his hands and feet to one another and to the world that we live in as we go through our day and through our lives. And so obviously, again, all of life has changed, but seeking to still follow Jesus in our lives in the situations we're in now, that's what we've been trying to do the whole time. And that's what we can still try to do, although it needs some reframing, some rethinking. Um, But I think that's helping us think creatively on how do we keep being the church in this time um yeah and that sort
0: of defined the first phase for us in in my memory it was it was kind of let's leverage the simple church model as you described it's about lifestyle not about our church programs our church programs the few that we do are only a means to the end of stimulating and expressing that lifestyle of full devotion. And so phase one was really figuring out how, in the most basic ways, these few core programs could make the pivot to functioning in a physical distanced, at home, online uh, kind of way. It was it was sort of doing the very basics of what we as a as a church exist to do in fostering that lifestyle of full devotion uh, in this different format. And so. Uh, you know just talk about that a little bit in in your world how that thinking in the in the connection department kind of played out
1: yeah I think it was a, a needing to to sort of reinvent what community and connection looks like in a time when you can't physically be uh, with one another and in the same way I'm sure I'm thinking of our members any business owner anybody in our workplaces any organization you had to sort of reinvent, how you behave and how you operate within a week's time. Um, Certainly leveraging technology. I mean, we've probably already seen a lot of this, of what we're trying to be and do as a church. We may get into more of these, but leveraging technology to, um, while we social distance, and we've even talked about how, and that language is somewhat shifting to, to recognizing it's physical distancing, how do we actually stay socially connected? How do we stay in touch? How do we care for one another? How do we actually leverage and activate our systems of mutual care and support and relationship um, quite intensively and quite thoroughly, even though it's kind of all got to be done remotely? it's It's got to really leverage technology, and it's got to recognize those on the fringes who don't have as easy access to technology that – it can even get a little more old school of dial the phone number, pick up the phone and give someone a call and ask them how they're doing. And uh, I know I've used the phone as a means of communication more in the last two weeks than I probably have in the last two months or maybe two years and as far I, as the, the time us, spent
0: on phone calls. Yeah, I remember us having that conversation early on in this to say, hey, you know, this is about being futuristic in a sense and and trying to leverage technology as much as we can. But it's also, and this kind of goes into the, the whole simple church model, it's also, especially in your world and connection, um, even simpler and maybe more crude than that. And we talked about behaving like a church in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. where pastors would just call people and ask how they're doing and how we can pray for them and how they're feeling and what's going on in their world and i'm sure that's felt a little uh almost awkward in how new that is uh even in our lives before this crisis well i think the good news is i mean
1: we we all react to this or, or use technology differently or have different ways of connecting relating for, for many in this day and age, when you get a phone call, like sometimes you get a phone call, if it's a number you don't recognize, it's like, there's no way I'm answering that, or I'm not interested in a phone call, or, like text me afterwards or whatever. And the call sort of for no reason can be intimidating. Maybe it always could be, but it, it, it can be, I think, in, in this day and age. But the truth is, there's absolute reason right now. And everybody's kind of swimming and breathing in the same reason for just, how you doing? How's your life being affected? You know, what, what's changed? How's your friends and family? How are your neighbors? Um, even as a a pastor, just calling to check in or community members calling to check in with one another. There's, there's a massive reason for the, just, just the phone call to check in. So we want to, we want to encourage a lot of that across the community.
0: One of the roles that people don't realize you played in that early time, especially with me being away was as a uh, kind of on-site coordinator of, like you said, these different departments and the way that they were pivoting on a dime, uh, especially so that we could Collect all of this and communicate this in one place. So, describe for us, knowing that you had kind of your hands in every world for a time, not just uh, your connection world. Uh, what what were some of those early concerns and values for inspiration in our Sunday services? Hmm.
1: I mean, our entire team and entire staff uh, have just done an incredible job responding to this in, in each of their programs and departments. Um, it was, it was probably the earliest and the fastest by our inspiration team who, who drives our, our Sunday services, because again, it was that first weekend where we thought we might still gather as per usual on Sunday morning. And then on, on the Friday, it all changed. And, and normally we try to have a lot of our stuff sort of planned and organized for the sake of volunteer equipping and our, our preaching planning kind of by the Thursday of that week. But within 24 hours, uh, that team turned on a dime to create something that could be spiritually significant and, and have some norms of feeling like the way we worship together and gather on a Sunday morning to create a full blown online service that Sunday morning. So that was the one that I remember both trying to help where I could and and whatnot, but, but sort of just observe that team put in, you know, 30 hours of week uh, of work within, you know, uh, Two-day stretch yeah, to pull days. off a service was pretty impressive, and and now we've all experienced a couple weeks of this, trying to create a bit of a rhythm and a routine. To, okay, so what do Southridge online spiritual gymnasium esque uh, gatherings look like in an online format? And uh, it's been super rich, and I've I've heard great feedback from everybody participating. Yeah, I
0: remember talking to Tom early and saying, you know, this series that we just launched. If you can remember back that a few weeks ago called working out our faith about what it means to be a church in the way that we gather uh in a world where we're no longer even allowed to gather tom we should we should probably press pause on that series and address something a little more direct and so even the series planning and the content development and the message prep and things uh all of that was turned on a dime tom and his team pulled video together of these worship experiences that they just recorded I remember at first they recorded them just in case, and you know have we not benefited from that in the last number of uh, Sundays being able to gather, you know, at ten a.m. At the same time across all of our locations from our homes, uh, in a, a really spiritually significant way. Uh, Absolutely. Talk about the action ministry a little bit because I know that that's been probably the the toughest to turn on a dime because in every one of our anchor causes. Uh, they still deliver what would be categorized as emergency services uh, to some degree or another. And so talk about how difficult it's been to figure out what's appropriate and what we can deliver in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, from what, what I've observed uh,
1: within our team, I mean, this has been a, just a ton of work as well. Those, those on the margins uh, are are At a a greater risk. And there's different kinds of risk categories, certainly people with health factors or or people with access to resources, just even access to the systems of care and whatnot. But the the, the folks we serve within our anchor causes, they certainly fit within categories of of, uh, having a greater risk. And um, the staff teams that that care for and equip people to, to help serve in the anchor causes have done incredible work. And when I was thinking of the metaphor of sort of that that week or these couple of weeks we've been in, almost like we're going through an entire seasonal change in, in you know such a short time, it feels like they've almost gone through a whole calendar year of change as the protocols around these emergency and essential services have changed certainly by the day, if not sometimes by the hour, um, and responding to those things in order to keep those we serve safe while keeping. Uh, the serving of the shelter community, um, you know, the Welland Community Through Harvest Kitchen Initiatives, that kind of thing, our migrant worker friends, some who are here, some who we weren't sure would get here, but it looks like they will, and how do we serve them when they get here? Uh, putting their uh, needs and care for them as the highest priority while protecting them through ever-changing protocols, that's been that's been quite an exercise to both observe and, and participate in at some level. Um, and And we want to make sure the church... That we all are very aware of the, as much as ever, the essential service that is provided in all of these places and how there's actually really some disproportionate needs right now that we can respond to and giving, providing resources, participating and just adapting protocols of how to provide supports, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, probably a lot more that could be said about all that.
0: Those are some of the things, that yeah. the sort of nature of the beast that I've observed. Yeah, no, the, the, the church that defines itself as a place you go for an hour a week you know, to, to gather on Sundays is very different than the church that lives out the love of Christ mm-hmm. uh, all throughout the week to be difference makers in our parts of the world. And uh, it's it's put exponential kind of pressure and challenge on our system to figure out not only how to do that, not how, how to do that safely, but like you said, how to do that in such a, a an adaptive way when everything, you know, is changing on the fly. At, at one point, I remember we were encouraged to recruit volunteers and then we were discouraged and then we were actually, it was kind of outlawed that, you know, you, you, you can only work uh, according to certain staff and things. So uh, there is a bit of making it up as we go. And yet uh, we're still flatly committed to, to being able to serve the, the most marginalized in our community and uh, living out that commitment fully, uh, it, it becomes tough in a time like this. And one question I know some have
1: asked, which is a great question is, what are some ways we be the church, you know, powerfully and uniquely particularly when it comes to like outreach and benevolence in a time like this. And and I think there are tons of ways and we're going to keep learning of them and exploring them and want to be a great neighbor in the neighborhood and community. Two is don't forget we have we have anchor causes that have immense needs right now, and I mean in some ways, missional life and missional engagement is, is hopefully a, a semi regular feeling thing for our community, and now more than ever can we pour some fuel on the fire of supporting although it's through, again through different channels and protocols our three anchor causes um, to help those marginalized communities respond to all of this like not not to miss that that we well, we want to be creative we also have stuff to care for right within our, our midst, um, in a, in a pretty ongoing way.
0: Earlier, you mentioned the challenge of having your kids around. Uh, and I know that from a family ministry perspective, this has posed a unique challenge on one hand, because they can't gather, none of their programs can exist. But on the other hand, there, there is a, a heightened need to partner with parents and to be able to serve them in a time like this, when everyone's kind of crawling all over each other. Talk about what's been coming out of our family ministry department. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's huge that our, the large part of our vision in family ministry is to partner
1: with families and partner with parents. Again, if we were just dependent on trying to have the best program anyone could have, uh, you know, for kids to show up to then that would be totally stuck and sort of stranded right now. But we've always wanted to partner with parents and parents need that as much or more than ever right now as they try to homeschool or have childcare or spiritually invest in their kids a little more, feeling a little more on their own. And so I know that the, the family team has posted all kinds of resources on our website. If you go below the Sunday services sort of video player where we participate in the service together, uh, all the kids' videos that we they would normally get to take in on a Sunday are there. Um, they're great to watch with your kids, and there's questions there to help you process. I know if you don't already use the ParentQ app, uh, parent Q is a, is an app that you can actually have as a parent be in sync with our lessons as a church. It's produced by by the organization called Orange, where we get our resources from. That, that app is a sort of a spiritual investment lifesaver for Lindsay and I that we often use that with our kids before bed to either watch their video or go over the Bible verse for that week. And this stuff now, again, more than ever, super helpful and uh i know the parents are our, our family ministry is now trying to work through small group leaders and stuff to reach out to kids through either email or social media keep the relational contact going as well so uh yeah links to resources and personal connections that, that's all the stuff our family ministry on mm-hmm. and uh, we want to make sure parents aren't aren't stranded or isolated through this
0: and just to give people the the whole picture there's you know we often talk about this one kind of hidden department called ministry services that provides all of the infrastructural supports to the ministries so the ministries you know we're familiar with because they serve us as people but this one ministry serves the ministries in the back end itself and I know there's been a whole lot in a shift to more online work you know from a tech support perspective from a website perspective from a communications perspective and whatnot talk about the challenges that ministry services has been facing in the past number of weeks
1: I was thinking if, if you
0: imagine, I don't know
1: how familiar everybody is with like home renovations or construction at all or whatever, but you may have even seen this in your own basement, depending on whether it's finished or not, but imagine like a steel beam in your basement, or sometimes there's these posts kind of called teleposts or beams. They're really the things that hold up your house, even though you never really see them or care about them. And imagine those things just holding in place during sort of a windstorm or a tornado. I'd say that's what our, our ministry services department has been in these weeks. And we're relying on those hidden gifts of providing technology, providing communication, making video meetings happen, making sure bandwidth is as big as it can be, as consistently as it can be, making sure online giving forms are work smoothly and easily and all the new kinds of communic- new website we've created, all the videos that we're doing everything, even our Sunday gatherings. Now everything is is video, but to try to make it personal and to try to have a variety of of voices, get to contribute. And as of this week, trying to make sure we do that only in homes, there's only two or three people present in appropriate physical distancing. Mm -hmm. distancing, um, This team has has gone way above and beyond. And I'd say if we have people within within the community where things like communications, uh, video, tech skills, web skills, that kind of thing, uh, those are just need to be so bolstered right now, and if I don't even know necessarily what, what contributing in those ways, how you we'd on ramp that, but I'm sure we'd love to explore it if you want to help in some of those ways these days.
0: So. Yeah, um, recently I've described to our leadership that we're kind of in phase two of what I would describe as at least three phases of this, where the first phase was all about turning our ministry on a dime and learning how to deliver what we needed to deliver to foster this lifestyle of full devotion and provide disproportionate supports in modified ways it was all about modifying our ministry this second phase that we're in now is about basically figuring out how to do those things sustainably so you mentioned the inspiration team and the 16 hour days eight days a week that they're putting in to try to you know package these online service experiences And uh, I said to everyone, we've got to learn how to deliver what we need to deliver disproportionately in this time of crisis in a modified way, but in a way that we can still have weekends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's kind of the phase that we're in now. And then I think phase three will be more the long haul phase of learning how to deliver what we need to deliver in a modified way, sustainably. But to be able to do that in a way that doesn't get stale and stays sharp and creative uh, Jeff, as we wrap things up, kind of anything that you want to say about the stage two kind of phase that we're in now or stage three, as we kind of look ahead, I know there'll be lots more conversations about how we're navigating things, but just to talk about the the view of those three phases, uh, what would you want to say about all that?
1: Yeah, I think for stage two, um, sustainability, I, again, we need it for the sake of just, just sort of a long-term health and and even just ongoing productivity of ministry to keep delivering what we're delivering um again i think i think people can relate in their own worlds i think even sustain sustainable output of communication we would have hit people with a lot of emails in the early days and people were getting hit from everywhere and it's kind of noise overload trying to figure out okay how do we now have good communication rhythms good sort of rhythms of ministry and i think it almost feels like we might be be finding a bit of a rhythm and and getting there and then as far as keeping it um getting stale i guess you could say again we've seen this in so many places this this situation right now is uh creating and demanding creativity in every field in a way that lots of people haven't seen or haven't necessarily had to engage and i think that's true for us and i think can continue to be true for us i think a lot of our our team as and volunteers as well have responded so well to creatively problem solving and and through this and i think we can build off that momentum I think we we stick that out and keep that going. I mean, one of the the biggest challenge I think in the long term is that I don't even know what that phrase means. We don't we don't know how long or short or what reintegration at some point will look like. We everybody doesn't know. And so there's a bit of a week to week, maybe a, a sort of a two week to two week timeline we can imagine these days, but uh that's what I think is the biggest challenge is it's just hard to predict where this is going.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about even this past Sunday when in your department you guys basically launched this experiment of the online after service lobby. And uh, we got pretty good we got pretty good traction with that. that and probably was a lot of fun. minimal tech glitches, but you know, who knows what that'll turn into and what we'll learn from that, but it's it's those kinds of innovative turn on a dime experiments that Uh, hopefully, is the fun and the excitement of the season that we're in. I know it's immensely challenging, but uh, I hope that there's some joy and some energy that uh, is coming with it as well. Uh, As we wrap things up, you know, a final thought or encouragement to our people, uh, just in general as a church family, as we're thinking about how we're going to look forward to navigating this crisis together. I've really
1: appreciated how our our inspiration uh, team has said uh, we're participating and we're into social distancing and the physical distancing that's sort of meant by that, but we are resisting spiritual distancing. And my encouragement, and I know I need to say this to myself, is to let's, let's make sure we do resist spiritual distancing in the unique touch point with God that maybe this can create in our lives as well as sort of the actual social connection, the, the leveraging technology to to not feel a relational distance. So let's not spiritual distance. Let's not relationship distance. Let's actually pour into those um, more than we ever have. I heard a church leader say in one of the kind of conference calls that was available to process kind of stuff that imagine churches could actually double their life group engagement through this because the online means because of our, our need for connectivity and relationship right now and maybe we can leverage technology to draw more and more people into online groups or virtual lobbies um where they can share any each one another's lives and and recognize the heart of god in the midst of all that and that that spiritual connection and that relational connection can be pretty powerful pretty palpable i've been amazed how video connections partly because you just got to get to the point because it's you don't have the same free flow and again, in our need to see faces and and ask each other how it's, how it's going. Um, The depth of the conversation has been uh, frankly, a little more rapid than usual in a lot of conversations I've been in. And I've, I've really appreciated that. That's sort of keeping me grounded and I just want that for our entire church. So,
0: and beyond. I'd say if we've learned anything, it's that in crisis, the church is needed more and not less, and mm-hmm. uh, it's been a great opportunity for us to lean in, and step up, and so many people across our ministry and our, across our community have already been doing that, so uh, to all of you listening, be encouraged, uh, like Jeff said, we we don't know where this is going, uh, but we are all in it together, and uh, we're all in it with a God who's all in it with us, and so we're excited to see what he has for us. Jeff, thanks for taking time uh, to share with us, and uh, thanks to all of you. Uh, especially for the extra grace required as we figure out even how to do the tech of recording podcasts when everyone's at home and has minimal high-tech high quality stuff. So, uh, Jeff Rock, you're the tech wizard. Yeah, uh, I appreciate, appreciate <laughs> your grace in that. And uh, we'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.